back to 64, a chess podcast. I'm your host, David Vizgon, coming at you live from Champaign, Illinois, uh, great state of Illinois. And joining me on the podcast today is a new friend of mine. Uh, I worked with him on the uh, World Chess Armageddon broadcast about two weeks ago now. Uh, he is a two-time Ukrainian champion, uh, won individual gold medal at the European Club Cup. Uh, legendary commentator, has commented many events like over the last uh couple of years or so and uh unnamed source of mine has told me that he is uh quote unquote good people so uh please welcome uh, to the show evgeny miroslichenko welcome to the show uh yeah thanks <laughs> thanks dave and and i wonder who who could phrase who could possibly phrase it this way like quote unquote good people because i do have a strong suspect for that yeah, I have uh, I have my suspicions too, but uh, for the sake of the uh, podcast yeah, audience, we will be... keep it uh, anonymous. No disclosure. Yeah. Um, I was doing my research, and I don't think you've ever done a podcast interview before, so I want to just double really. check. Not really, not really. Even though I'm a big fan of a of a format, I'm listening to tons of podcasts. I mean, sometimes with the video, as you know, like like this. Lex Friedman thing and so on, but but yeah. So this is your first time. Uh, that's uh, good to know because I was trying to do my homework as I always do. And fellas at home, uh, this is not as easy as it looks. I know I make it look easy. I've been told I seem unprepared. Guess what? I do my homework sometimes. Uh, so I was trying to look uh, to see if you did any other podcasts, and I found this quote from you, which is you said uh, a couple of years ago. I think in 2015, you said that chess broadcasting must be like a reality show. So my question for you is, do you think that chess podcasting should be like a reality show? Oh, well, I mean, first of all, I do not do not remember me saying that. And let me correct a little bit. Uh, let me correct you a little bit because I'm, I'm deep inside my myself. I'm still kind of tied with math and stuff. I mean, I, I never, I, I don't have formal education. I've quit university at some point in my uh, crusade to become a world champion, obviously, <laughs> which miserably failed. But yeah, uh, a couple of years ago, uh, you've mentioned 2015, and man, oh man, I mean, it, it's eight years ago. I, I would say the same. Like 2015, it was, it's very recent. It's eight years ago. Can you can you imagine? <laughs> eight, I mean. Yeah, I think uh, I finally got into that age where um, yeah, it feels yeah, like a long time ago. Like, you know, e even... It's very I, recent, yeah. I, even when I listen to music from the 90s now, and some of it is like now 30 years old. And in my head, it's like, no, it's been like 10 years. What are you talking about? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what, what 90s? What 90s? All right. Yes. No, so I'm, I'm really, yeah. So, well, my experience with chess podcasting, let me tell you something. Uh, so I've been GM in rest for St. Louis Chess Club, which was like a couple of months ago, I believe. Something. Yeah. Like November, October, November, something like that. Yeah, and I was staying in one of uh, so-called chess houses they have next to the club. They renting it, uh, and they kind of basically lodge GMs and uh, sometimes tournament participants in there, and so on. And yeah, and in my house they had like a very nice living room, and I was a witness of one episode of uh, famous uh, Fabi slash Chirilla show, which I do not uh, recall the name of. That's uh, C squared. Yeah, perhaps. 
You were a yeah, witness and, to it. Yeah, and I have to say, you know, th there was a live episode with um, with uh, the Indian guys. There, there was Vidit around, and there was uh, Surya Ganguly, I believe. They were playing a tournament. Yeah, and what I wanted to say, like with all due respect, and I, I believe like Fabi and uh, Chirula, they've done quite a few very good episodes, but that was that was that was you know like very polite. Like, what do you think? Oh, I think we are all very good guys and let's promote chess and so on, so on. So it was lacking drama, obviously, to my taste, anyway. <laughs> so, I mean, like, yeah, we are good boys. We are talking chess. I mean, basically, that was it. I mean, thanks, everyone, for, for joining in. It, it's a live uh, show. <laughs> but there, there wasn't any anything, like, which would, you know, hook me in a way. Right. So, so I mean, I, I would listen for a few minutes and, oh, okay, yeah, I got it. I understand what they'll be talking about. So um, what you're saying is we need to have a spectacle on this episode. Maybe you yeah. curse me out, I curse you out, something like that. Yeah, easy. Or, or someone else. Yeah, no, I prefer to curse on, on you know, someone else. Oh, okay, this, this guy is, a, he's an a-hole, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Chris, Christian Chirilla is, is the, the worst person ever. Clip it and ship it, yeah. <laughs> no, he's not. No, he's a really nice guy, actually. He's a he's super... A, yeah, he's a... He's a, he's a very nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, dunking on people. Uh, what's wrong? I know you are the host, so you're supposed to ask questions. But what's wrong with Magnus's haircut? I mean, how can you, <laughs> how can you expect to play to play kind of you know refined uh, chess and be precise and everything when you have something something like that? Maybe it's like, uh, you know, the biblical Samson. Like, the longer he grows it out, the stronger he gets. Although that doesn't seem like it's been true at the Well, event. it's kind of Samson or Simpson. I'm not sure. I'm yeah, gonna... yeah. It could be Simpson. Like uh, Sideshow Bob, maybe. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know what's up with Magnus's hair. Have you have you been following uh, Vikonze at all? Um, Not very close. I, I mean, I know he does poorly. I know he won uh, against Fabi with Black. That was yesterday, right? I yeah, think. take that, Fabi. Yeah, he won. Uh, and but other than that, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm not sure what's what's in kind of what's going on inside. I mean, he 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 lost two games. Yeah, that's clearly. He wants to play well, and perhaps he cannot. I mean, because he really pushes himself. Like Carson. I mean, for uh, for other guys, it might be like. Don't want to come with examples, but you understand what I mean. Like someone out of shape, doesn't matter what what he does, will be a disaster. Like Carson out of shape, if he wants to be solid, if he wants to finish like a plus one, plus two, he absolutely can. I mean, being I don't know half drunk, half ill. Uh, is the thing is he still wants to you know this twenty nine hundred thing. And he kind of pushes himself, and it doesn't work. So that that that's the impression. I don't know if you saw the the game where he lost to Giri, um, and also he lost to Abdusatorov in back to back. Games. Yeah, he lost to Abdusatorov, and that that that's exactly what I'm kind of referring to. So it feels like he was he wanted to to win badly, so to speak. Yeah, and um, I mean. I look at Abdusatorov, and I—that's a guy who I really think is like good chances to be the next world champion. I mean, if we're being honest, I mean, you, you never know. Of course, people have said this about other people, but uh, I, the boy, this is like 
you know, he's he's beaten Magnus also in these like uh like Blitz and Rapid tournaments. Like he which maybe is not the biggest deal, but I guess my point is he is like shown no fear. And he's like one of these like few guys um at the top, or he's maybe not quite at the top yet, but he he's he's one of those few guys who's just shown that like, oh, who are you? Like who cares if you were like Yeah. Well, you you really I couldn't phrase it better myself. Like like he he's got this kind of predator thing, right? I'll I'll come and get you because unlike Firuja, for example, who is uh, well for for now is higher rated, more has kind of more reputation, so to speak, and more or less of the same age as Abdusatora, right? Firuja he doesn't have the fear, but it's you know. It's kind of to to me, he seems to be like a bit of a you know mad scientist character. So I'll do this, and, and so he's so much interested in his own play and creativity and so on. And it works till certain point, but like when you really have to, I don't know, concentrate and master the result, I believe Abusator's approach is is kind of well for now it works much uh, much finer, so to speak. Yeah, it's uh, I. I also heard this rumor that uh, Firuja was considering dropping out of chess and like working in fashion or something. I don't know if you read this. Fashion? Uh, well, my experience interacting with the guy, uh, well, I'd be I'd be really surprised. But, but that was that was quite quite some time back. Yeah, working in in fashion. Yeah, sounds sounds about right. It was we some need sort more of rumor. stories like that. Yeah. We yeah. Need more stories like that. Yeah. Chess players, you know, quitting chess, working in different fields i don't i don't think chess players today are as goofy or as silly as they used to be like you read the crazy stories about you know 1950s 1960s era chess players and you look today it's like what happened what happened along the way um yes and no dave because still there is a lot of like you know once again i won't uh, name the names but there are people like you're in your 30s you you're kind of uh, winning tournaments with 50k and so on and then still in press you're whining about like uh, sponsors i need money to prepare i need this i didn't that the other guy has more sponsorship and so on and come on grow up <laughs> like, that, that that's that 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 the part that annoys me to be honest because let's be let's be clear like sponsorship in chess is not really a sponsorship i mean most of the time like there, there might be few exceptions but but generally it's it's more of a uh you know i just give you money because i love the game and so on so, so i'm supporting you it's never you know on par exchange so that that I'm sponsored by Rolex, and Rolex is uh, Rolex is proud to have Miro, I don't know, on a billboard or whatever, right? So, so it's never this, with few notable exceptions, of course, like like Gary featured, Magnus featured, yeah, I can imagine, but most of the time, like it's it's sort of one directional, pardon me, and when these guys like okay, it's it's not a kid anymore. The guy in his thirties and he's crying like baby raging. Oh, okay, the other guy has more sponsorship and and so on. Uh, I don't find it very nice, to be honest. That's a that's a zinger of a of a take. Uh, it's what you promised. I, I actually, you know, like you said, there isn't a ton of like let's say corporate money in chess, and a lot of these like sponsorships that people get is kind of on their own volition, you know. Um, 
do you think that has anything to do with just like let's say chess not being super popular because we have seen more companies reach the space but like i don't know i i, I guess i just want to get your your take on the whole uh because there has become more of a corporatization of chess recently yeah yeah i would agree on that but uh you know it it's very it's non-linear once again it's it's somewhere like you get the delusion like if we take european football which is known as soccer in america right okay the big full footballers that they're getting big bucks but then like second german bundesliga third german bundesliga still would have like sponsorships and you know and we chess players we get an illusion right yeah okay so magnus tournaments are sponsored by these big guys and maybe we should be i don't know getting sponsors from local breweries and so on and so on magnus and his friends let's call it this are kind of public figures are well maybe bring some value to a brand right but like when even like 2600 grandmasters competing pardon me yeah i mean we, we love the game the game is cool everything but can we bring some value in terms of advertising uh, advertising for like someone really big i'm not sure for now even though we we've gotten we as the game gotten much more popular thanks covid thanks queen's gambit and and thanks well hikaru and uh, and the gang let's say <laughs> right all the all the streamers thing the usual suspects yeah that kind of uh, evokes image of like tennis too. Is I think very similar in that regard, where you know players one through a hundred in tennis, you know they got the big sponsors, and then yeah, you go down just a little bit below, maybe let's say top a hundred, top one fifty, and it's like you know people playing in all those big tournaments, but they don't have uh, any of the sponsors or the funding yeah, yeah. to really make it. So, and these guys, you know, who people were like right almost there. So. Um, yeah, that that's the first thing that came to my mind. Actually, on that note, there's this really good, and I'll actually I'll link this in the um, I'll link this in the description of the episode. There's this really good blog post by I think it was Vasif Durabaili, um, about how he played like Sunway Sitches, and he's got like tied for like let's say fifth place and made like a thousand euros, but the flight and board for Sunway Sitches cost like fifteen hundred. So like he said. This is like life as like a chess tourist where you, you know, you love the game and you're like, you know, 26 something trying to make a career out of it. But like every big tournament you want to play, there's just not enough money to usually make it worth it. Yeah, I've heard, you know, kind of room, not rumors, but but something on Facebook was posted about his post. So I, I don't know what uh, uh say what tone he was sounding when he posted it, because like if he simply describes the situation to perhaps even like warn little kids so that yeah the game is cool and the game actually will kind of drag you into right i mean you start it goes well and yeah it's very hard to stop uh but you have to be aware that yeah you either make it to once again, I don't want to don't, don't wanna call numbers. For some, it will be top 50. For some, it will must be like top 10, period. But or or you are living basically living life like this. So, so but what I don't like that a lot of lot of players from say even like top hundred, they keep whining about this. Like, yeah, 
like yeah organizers have to do something about that yeah I spent that much money and I'm getting this little price but dude it's it's an open market right I mean you see the price fund it's not like you've been tricked to it's not like I've promised you to pay the ticket and then eventually didn't do this which happened to me a few times <laughs> being wow. a professional player uh right but so don't try to make a career out of it or get better at the game it's it's yeah sorry to burst kind of some people's bubbles but at the moment it seems like we have a way oversaturated market for let's say just a grandmaster you have to have something specific like you have to be like super cool or you have to be I don't know very crazy t-shirts and this and that to get like better conditions <laughs> that's the feeling that's the feeling so entertainment value perhaps right I mean in addition to pure scale otherwise yeah but it's it gets worse yeah I believe it gets worse uh, but it's only logical because people expect uh, the GM title to kind of feed you till the end of the of your life, right? I mean, I've made the GM norm, so and you can still do this, I believe, with lessons and stuff. But just traveling from tournament to tournament, getting conditions. Yeah, just think of it, Dave. We are perhaps the only game where organizers pay the players to take part. It's other way around normally, right? I mean, I'm competing for the prize, and then still, um, as a grandmaster, and I would do it myself a lot, like 26, 50, well, in this range, I would, like, the guy says, oh, well, Mira, would you consider taking part in some tournament, blah, blah, and we will pay for your hotel and so on, and, and I'm like, how much? I want some money. I want some guarantee. <laughs> and, yeah, it's crazy, <laughs> to be honest. It's crazy, <laughs> like... It's either I should stop lying about the, yeah, well, guys, I'm I'm here for, you know, for art. I love the game and so on and so on. Yeah, I'm trying to make a living. I mean, we, we are like kind of competing and the market for now is kind of oversaturated. So you one should perhaps either lower his expectation or expectations or get better at the game, <laughs> right? Yeah, actually, somebody who said something similar was um, Hikaru Nakamura, who was talking about... Yeah, yeah, he was talking about Cristiano Ronaldo joining uh, Al Nasser. And, uh, you know, he's saying how, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo is now going around saying, oh, this just made sense for his, like, career and all that, all this nonsense. And Hikaru was like, if someone in Japan, like, offered him, like, $500,000 to play in the Japan League, let's say, like, Hikaru would go and play it because he wouldn't be that stupid to turn down the money. Yeah. They don't, you know, of course, you know, he said, like, some people might say, oh, you know, I, like, want to grow the game in Japan and all this, and I've, I loved it here. And Hikaru would be like, like, I wouldn't do that. I would just, you know, I wouldn't. I don't know. It's, 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 it was something to that degree. But, yeah, like, um, I don't know. I, I, it is kind of difficult to look at, like, let's say the the world chess, not the same as world chess, like the, you know, the yeah. people who did the broadcast, to be clear. Uh, it's it's difficult to look at the situation of let's say global chess, and on one hand you have all these like, you know, super prize money ish like online blitz and rapid tournaments, and I'm not even just talking about the Magnus Tour. I'm talking about like Title Tuesdays. Like what? From when I started watching chess, it was like three hundred dollars first prize, let's say, and now it's like five times that. You know, it's like it's like crazy. You know, you go on any given Tuesday and like try to make some money. 
and uh, play against a bunch of people. So like, there's like a ton of money there. But then it feels like over the board that hasn't really caught up. So I do understand to some degree why you know maybe you know some some GMs who are used to playing online now or seen this boom in the last five years are like, okay, but wait, where's my cut of that? But I think like the for better or for worse, the the reality is that like you know that money is still all this new cash flow is still basically concentrated for the the best of the best, the, like the, the the super professional players, which isn't to dismiss like you know the like you know the 2500 2600 gms in europe let's say we're like playing all these big tournaments and you know everybody knows them and stuff like that it's not to like discount their careers or anything but i it is also i think some truth to what you're saying that like you didn't know what you were signing up for as a professional chess player like <laughs> it was not i don't think anybody expects to go to professional chess and you know for the glitz and glamour uh yeah that's uh that's pretty much what i'm saying yeah well the thing is in Europe, you have a lot of, well, it's, it's a long established tradition of having the leagues, right, in, in different countries. And then if you're, especially if you're like based nicely in ge geographic sense, like somewhere in the middle of, I don't know, Prague comes to mind or something, well, like easily traveling from country to country, let's say, then you can make a decent, decent living, like not, uh, not showing like super good results. Yeah, you just find connections. You are being a good guy. You're playing a league here, a league there. And and you, of course, should be like really frugal in, in your lifestyle. So no Lambos, no, you know, no, no hotel, kind of uh, luxurious hotels. But, but yeah, and I have to say like, what was it? Once again, I want to say it was not more than 10 years ago, but perhaps it was all 20 years ago when I was uh, kind of living this life. I felt myself like to be a very serious chess professional, like traveling from tournament to tournament. It was fine. I mean, when you are like 25-ish something, yeah, it's it's a fun life. But then at some point... You yeah, can't you afford understand. the Lambo. Uh, yeah, Lambo, Lambo, yeah. Uh, no Lambo. Regrettably, not I yet. Can't, I can't drive, dude. I mean, even if I could, I wouldn't. Oh, you really? You don't have a license? Nah, not at all. Um, well, interestingly, a lot of chess players share this in common. I, I, well, not in the U.S., of course. I mean, in U.S., you can't really you can't really do without a car, right? But Europe is known for very good, very advanced transportation system, and chess players are known to be somewhat of a you know. Let's call it people concentrated on one specific aspect in, of life, which is chess. But not, not really, yeah, sometimes you'd be surprised that a lot of a lot of people don't even have license. Yeah, in my case, strangely, I I, I can't drive. <laughs> That's the thing, but I've never bothered, strangely. So at first, there was no kind of no possibility to get a car, I mean, like money-wise. Like when I, when I would be like say eighteen, when I would be interested in having a car, right? right? And later later on, it was like traveling all the time. So what do you do with the car anyway? And yeah, and now like uh, last few years before March twenty twenty two, I was living in Moscow, and in Moscow, like you really save up on like hiring a cab, 
You don't you 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 don't want to have a car in Moscow. <laughs> Wait, so March 2020, this was almost a year ago then, right? Yeah. So so I, you you were there uh, when the war broke out? Yeah, let me let me try to reconstruct how it was. I mean, so it's uh, February 24th we are talking about, right? And then like on 28th of February I went to Belgrade to commentate uh, on, uh, what's it called? The Grand Prix, which was organized by World Chess, by the way, the second leg of Grand Prix. And yeah, and since then, I've rented an apartment in Turkey. And, you know, I've been to Moscow once since then. There, there was kind of a quiet, uh, or, well, it's never been quiet uh, in terms of like war, right? But in Moscow, like it, 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 there was there was a moment when it seemed like quiet a period in, in Kind of went, spent months, left for good. You are you're Ukrainian, right? Yep. And uh, perhaps this is a bit of a touchy subject, but how has the, I mean, how has the war impacted you, person, your personal life, or how, like, I guess, how how has that affected you? Ooh. Uh, well, no, I'm not. I'm not kind of directly hit myself in in any possible way. Because uh, my story goes back to 2014 uh, when, you know, the Crimea was taken and uh, uh, so-called Donetsk People's Republic was established. So I come from Donetsk, Ukrainian city of Donetsk, to be, well, specifically clear. And I left uh, from uh, back then, like, fully functional Donetsk airport and never, in 2014... And never been back since. Wow. So I've been back to Ukraine, to Kiev, like, like you know, visas and stuff, but uh, never been back to Donetsk since. Uh, well, my parents still live there. So, so that that that's the way I'm impact, of course, uh, impacted, of course. And a lot of, you know, friends, um, colleagues, and so on, of course, hit. But not me personally. I'm, I'm kind of wrong person to... Uh, you know, to cry about it. Right. Um, just yeah. But but of course we, we we all this way or another we we we're all affected, right? Yeah. And uh you even being in Moscow as a as a Ukrainian was not a study issue for you? Well it was it was strange. It was strange. you mean pre war or, or when it when it started? I'll say let's say when it's when it started. And I don't when mean it's... issue like I mean, like, I guess I mean, you know, your your whole your your home country is being attacked, and you're living in, you know, the yeah, well, invaders' country. <laughs> no, but that, that that's exactly one. I mean, one of the reasons to uh, why I left, sort of, right, um, and perhaps the main reason. It's not strangely, it's not like personal safety. So now I'm not sure, like, if if I would go back. Maybe it would be about personal safety as well, but for the time being, it was. It wasn't. I mean, it wasn't dangerous in, in any way. Uh, before that, it was like um, I would say there have been a few awkward moments because you you well you enter Russia with Ukrainian passport and and at some point like some years 2016 17 like people forgotten about uh, what happened to quote-unquote forgotten yeah about what happened to Crimea and it was relatively ah, okay you know 
brothers, welcome, blah, blah. And it gotten worse, I believe, maybe a year before the actual war started. Worse in a way, like, like you'd be asked at the border, I mean, where do you go? And then if you come back, like, where, where, where do you stay in Moscow and so on and so on? Right. But, but anyway. Interesting. So I'm, I'm not, like, not affected. And I believe, like, if, speaking of, like, people in danger, I would rather be worried about uh, some Russian guys who came up with the statement about, against, like, the war. They've been already, they've been examples of people kind of being arrested from chess players. I'm not aware of these cases, but like some people are certainly on the list. That's what I've heard. Like once again, won't, won't make anyone's task easy. I will not name them, but yeah, but some people like who left the country luckily. And it's like, it's very much advisable not to come back in a foreseeable future. Let's, let's call it this way. I know that uh, uh, Daniil Dubov, he uh, he was pretty, I think last year he did a big interview in a German newspaper about the whole war. And uh, now he's in Kazakhstan. So I thought he was just going to be there, you know, dodging the draft or whatever. Um, and I, I mean, obviously, I would love to just kind of ask him this in person. But I saw, I think he's playing the, like the Russian Super Final right now. So I don't really exactly understand uh, how... This whole thing works. <laughs> me, neither, me neither, to be honest. Me neither. But that's yeah, that's um uh that's a weird thing about like uh all this you know what we see uh, being inside Russia and what people from outside can see. And and like basically I, I can say that anything that you hear is probably misleading. Like it, it, it's, it's this constant game of psyopsing, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, all the leftist takes on Russia are wrong and all the right kind of rightist things on uh, takes on Russia are wrong. It's, it's something in between. And, once again, I mean, while I was living in Moscow, once again, you've uh, you've said like, well, living on the let's say on the enemy territory, so to speak, right? But at the same time, you live in your own bubble, right? You're surrounded by people you care about, and then your friends and so on. You you go to same places here, basically, even like within my circle, there have been like more pleasant less pleasant people but still i'm not talking to the average uh, joe or average ivan on the street right so, so i don't really know and a lot of my friends they confess since the war started and and like a lot of um you'd be surprised but a lot of people kind of expressed support for this even though they were not pressed to I mean, that, that, that's the scary part, because like I understand you might be in the circumstances then then you kind of have to be you kind of have to go rogue and say, yeah, OK, I'm against. And if you want to jail me, jail me or for some benefits, you might kind of join or express the support. Yeah, but a lot of people suppress express support when they were not asked to. And my friends in Moscow, they said, like. Ah, uh, okay. We should have cared more about what people around think, right? Because it, it's very convenient, like to, 
you know, live in your own bubble and, and say, yeah, it, it is sort of a nice compromise. Yeah, our government is shit, but at least like economically, we are not doing very bad. And for Moscow, it was it was the case. I still I'm still ready to claim that Moscow, uh, say, by the standards of living and the comfort for uh, for the citizen, especially for the citizen with the money, was well very high on my list. I mean, possibly at, at the very top of my list of cities, and I've been to, to some countries, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. So that was that was the end of a rant, and we can. <laughs> yeah, I'll just, because... I'll just cut the whole thing out. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, on a totally unrelated note, we talked about uh, Ali Reza Faruja. And oh, yeah. uh, you were, you are actually, I should still say, uh, you are a FIDE senior trainer. You trained the Iranian national team for uh, quite a few years. So um, I guess in the sake of drama, how much, uh, how much credit do you take for his uh, rise plus all the other, you know, top talents out of Iran? You should, you could say you all of it. You could say, yeah, of course, all of it. But uh, seriously, um, it's. It's hard to uh, how do I say. I mean, it's hard to understate. Is it even a word? It's uh, a word. Yeah. The role, the role of a of a trainer in rising this kind of guys. No, seriously. Unless we are talking like a very specific relationship, like uh, uh, I mean, you know, Kasparov Nikitin or I don't know, Gelfand Husman kind of. You know, twenty five years. Every day, like I visit your home at like 10, 10 a.m. and then leave <laughs> with a sunset. Okay, we've had some training sessions with like Ferugia in person with um, with the national team, but most of the time, like my experience working with other national teams, it's a paid job and it's it's like uh, it's a contract. So so you do what you do. And you're trying to be good at it, but but like speaking in terms of uh, commitment and passion, at least at least on my side, it, it wasn't like I wasn't going like mad about like yeah I want these guys to succeed. Yeah, I was I was helping as much as I could and so on. If anything, uh, what I would be taking credit for is the Iranian girl you probably heard of, Sarah Sarah Sadat Hadem Al Sharia. Okay, as you can tell, I mean, I'm managing, I easily pronouncing her, I'm easily pronouncing her name. So, <laughs> so with this girl, we've spent a lot of time together, like the talking chairs, preparing for the events and during the events. And here, I do believe there is something, uh, like at the, my contribution, so to speak. But yeah, but mostly, uh, th this is once again, that's what pisses me off from time to time, like uh, browsing through just Twitter or just Facebook when it was a thing. So now now everyone's on Twitter or Reddit, right? Uh, that, yeah, like my boy, uh, he kind of, I was giving him lessons for like, like five, I've given him five lessons and here he is like one state championship under eight or something. Yeah. And yet let, let's just acknowledge it's totally random, right? And yeah, so most of the time, I'm, I'm afraid those claims are like a bit, a bit. Yeah, I mean, you, you you do want to 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 get some credit for what you've done, but it's not all the time justified. Let's put it mildly. 
Uh, but yeah, but I've I've enjoyed the, working with the boys that they seemed talented and may I say I would be betting on Parham and not Firuja, interestingly, like out of those two, the most prominent, because at the time Parham seemed to be like stronger. He he was older, obviously, like Firuja was maybe 13 and the other guy was 15, 16, he's a couple of years, three years older. Uh, but but yeah, but uh, like I, if anything, I I was the one to kind of uh, overlook Ferruja's potential. So <laughs> this is what I'm taking credit for. So I've completely overlooked how impressive Ferruja is gonna be. Wow, you you uh you mentioned uh, Sarah Kadam. I mm-hmm. I'm not gonna try to pronounce her full name because I didn't do my research, but I know. Were you surprised by her decision uh, to not wear? The hijab? Did you? I'm sure you followed this. She like did wear the hijab and now it's like ran away to Spain. Actually, just did a very long interview with the Spanish uh, newspaper El País. To be honest, I've completely missed this. But it must be something recent because we were not uh, we were not in touch for last. Very last, recent. I don't know. Uh, yeah. So at the World uh, Rapid and Blitz, uh, I think it was. Uh, really? Yeah. Uh, really? Yeah. So so you see, the, you got me off guard with this one. Um, I know it's a big thing, and there have been examples, right, previously with Shore Bayat, right, uh, Iranian arbiter. And yeah, and she's actually been... in the news again uh, because apparently yeah, yeah, Fide yeah. told her, like, not to wear the this this shirt saying, like, women, life, freedom or something, and she thought it was ridiculous, and it's another one of these chess Twitter things. Yeah, like, like why people care so much about who's wearing what? I mean, as long as you're not like just wearing like terrible clothes, I mean, but like clothes with a statement that that that's uh, I think it, it's still it's, uh, what what how do you call it like it's sort of a tribalism, right? I mean, you, you, we are suits and we are hoodies and we are I don't know <laughs> like poorly dressed guys. Why would you care? I mean, let people express themselves the way they like i mean as long as it doesn't harm anyone right you should uh you should tell that to fide we're still <laughs> uh, they still panic when a guy shows up to uh a blitz tournament with a hoodie instead of a you know suit and tie <laughs> yeah like because that's what very people much care into... about no seriously i was very much in a suit and tie camp like like not forcing anyone but i would find it yeah, comfy and stylish and so on, but kind of pandemic changed everything. And I still do have like nice expensive ties and stuff, but ask me when I was last kind of wearing them and I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, maybe Belgrade. Uh yeah, anyway, back to the subject. So I had no idea she has done it, but I'm not surprised a bit. Because I know their family a little. And they are very modern, um, kind of, you know, European. I think her father studied in Germany, so so it already tells you tells you a lot. Mm-hmm. And she's married to Canadian guy, if nothing changed once again. So Iranian Canadian, should I say? Uh, yeah, I think so they're still yeah. married. Yeah, so good for her. What can I say? Another question. I mean. My chess coach is an Israeli grandmaster. I've had him on the podcast before. The first time I had him, uh, one of the things we talked about, I guess, it was my first time getting into a bit of a you know spicy, uh, 
spicy territory, but you know, we've already covered one uh, intense geopolitical conflict. So uh, as they say in chess, uh, F it. Um, yeah, I mean, you were on the other side of, you know, like let's say Israeli players, uh, you know, they get just get automatic wins. I think Gelfand, uh, in I get again, I think it was World Rapid and Blitz got like three wins across the tournament just because he was paired against Iranian players. So I mean, when you're were managing the uh, Iranian teams, was that ever like something that just came up and you're like, oh shoot, like I have to just um, lose a point now? No, well. Luckily for me, I've never been in this situation. So we were at Asian Games, you know. So some somehow that they could not really be paired with uh, with Israeli, but I am obviously aware of the fact, and and it, and it it sucks basically. That, that that's what. But, but yeah, but then once again, I'm uh, you know, deep inside me, I'm still kind of naive libertarian who believes that yeah states just should not interfere in such things i mean many things in fact and yeah chess being the least of course i mean why would you yeah like the flag is the flag i mean who cares like well yeah let's let's be honest like mo most people wouldn't care at all i mean what flag is yeah to, to me it's me right i mean i'm kind of forced to put a flag next to my name but i wouldn't care if it if that be the other one so let's say even you know i think russia right now they're officially not allowed you know you have yeah to have they're the playing on the feed flag yeah that that's uh that's the thing do you also think that's a little guys i kind of find it a little ridiculous just just simply for the fact that yeah i mean that, that, that that's a very strange subject and i believe i'll get a lot of a lot of shit for this but it's either you don't let them compete at all. I mean, just just they are banned for. I mean, once again for whatever reason, and and then you, you have to acknowledge that you are banning. Uh, I don't know, like Swidla and Karyakin at the at the same time, so to speak, right? You have to you have to accept that, and and yeah, or you come up with this strange kind of solution. So yeah, of course we are, we are all playing. We, I mean, they are all playing on the feet of flag now, because basically it's like it's not even a compromise, right? I mean, it's like you have to change this little thing, and everything will be just as it was. Period. I mean, of course, of course, there is nothing to sacrifice. But at least, at least for myself, I I wouldn't really care, right? Well, we'll change the flag to Zimbabwe. Yeah, well, welcome. Yeah. Yeah, or Saint Kitts and no Nevis. Problem. That's what. Uh, that's oh, what... No, that's that's uh, that's one of the countries I'm looking for uh, citizenship. Oh, really? Yeah, that's a very powerful passport. Saint Kitts and Nevis. You can you can go to like yeah. I mean, tax system. I'm not sure, but I think it's mild. And also, like you can go to pretty much anywhere on Earth uh, without without needing a visa. So that's a, that's a good that's a good country. Strangely. Those microstates, yeah, yeah. At some point, I was studying those those microstates. Yeah, really interesting. Look at that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I, what I was gonna say is, uh, what I find ridiculous about it is that functionally, the FIDE flag has just replaced the Russian flag, and nothing else Absolutely. has really changed. So, Absolutely. Like, what is the point? <laughs> like, what is the point? Like, if you yeah, you're right. Now, I never really thought of this this way, but let's imagine 
for sake of argument that I'm not happy with the Ukrainian Chess Federation, right? And I would approach FIDE and say, I want to play under the FIDE flag. I don't want to be, I don't know, I don't want to represent Ukraine. And once again, and I mean, I cannot state it enough. And I mean, it's totally hypothetical just for sake of argument. And would they allow me? I'm not sure. I mean, for, Farouza sure. did it right when he left Iran for about a year, but they forced him like, okay, it's time to get a new federation, right? You can't do this like forever. Yeah. So, so you, you're absolutely right. It, it's kind of you replacing the Russian flag with the FIDA flag. That, 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 that's it. I mean, this is not also entirely uncommon. Like that's what they've been doing at the Olympics ever since Russia got, you know, sanctioned all those years ago for, I think with some doping crisis, you know, now whenever mm -hmm. Russia competes, it's like, it's not the Russian flag. It's like the Russian sports federation flag or whatever. And instead of their national anthem, they play like, you know, some Rachmaninoff or something. And it's like, okay, what, what, what are, like, what are we really doing here? Like, like who, who, who buys this? Like who really yeah, buys yeah, this? Yeah, that, that, that's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> like who, who, who do you want to get a trick? Yeah. That's, you know, that, that's, um, that's a very modern thing. Like you, people get very, uh, people get offended easily, right? And and you constantly have to look for words not to offend this or that comp uh, group. But we all know what it means, right? I mean, the words, the, the, the change of a flag, we, we all know. But we all pretend, we're we all playing this game that, uh, yeah, okay, that's a different flag. So, so well, technically they are allowed, right? Yeah, it's, it's especially when, you know, you go on the FIDE website, for example, and you'll still see that, oh, what, Yannepomnyashi still has a Russian flag next to his name. So they haven't even, like, they haven't even, like, done it on the FIDE website. And this is, like, almost a year later uh, since then. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I find it a bit ridiculous. I also find it a bit ridiculous, you know, you go on, like, chess.com, for example, and you see, like, now everybody who's Russian who wants a Russian flag, it's, like, grayed out. I mean, again, like, I, 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 I understand. No yeah, I understood like a year ago, even a few months ago. But um, unfortunately, I don't think this is like changing anytime soon. And um, I just kind of don't see the point. I think at this point, you have to like literally be living under a rock to, you know, think that Russia is the good guy here. <laughs> and yeah. uh, I think like putting a, putting a Russian flag next to your name, you're already kind of saying something about yourself. Uh, if, I mean, if let's say you're, if you're not Russian. And also, if you are Russian, like, I don't know, there are a lot of there are a lot of people in Russia. It's a huge country. I'm not the kind of person to, you know, just dismiss someone for being Russian. Yeah, that, that's that's nonsense as well. That's um, on one hand, it's it's inevitable because you have like all the Ukrainian guys for whom all the Russians will be the same. And that's understandable. Right. Uh, on another hand, yeah, of course, like it's it's hundred million Russians, so but it can't be that all of them are bad guys, right? Uh, but uh, what do you do in this situation? So, so well, like FIDE, yeah, their solution is kind of laughable, but is there a better solution? I mean, well, what would you do? It's, it's once again, I mean, if you, if you put the, put yourself in their shoes, and it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell. It's awkward, right? You can't just outright ban all the Russian players. I mean, you could, but then it's then then we are going to like boxing territory and having like multiple versions of uh, world champions and so on. Yeah, so it's... That's, that, that's really awkward. Like in in our chess 
little world and also like in a, in a big big world in terms of in terms of politics yeah i i, I i'm not gonna pretend like i know uh the answer i'm just you know some 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 idiot some useful idiot um uh i mean they really give a microphone to anybody these days <laughs> no, 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 no! Come on, I, I, I was not kind of digging at you. No, I know, I know. It I'm... was more of a, to be honest, it was more of a inner dialogue because, because yeah, I'm not happy with the solution that is out, but I'm thinking, okay, what would I've done? And it's either you start segregating people, like okay, you're a good Russian, you're a bad Russian, but but that's that's once again, we know where it leads. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't think that's particularly productive at all. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I was just kind of just saying that, you know. Uh, yeah, but that, that's once again, that that uh, that's uh, what most people don't even realize. I mean, how F the situation is. Because let's imagine kind of the war stopped and it's peace and then brotherhood and everything. And when is it back to normal? I don't know. I mean, not during our lifetime, that's I'm certain. Because look, like uh, I was born in 1978, so my school time was mid-80s, let's say, like I started going to school. And uh, we would play as pretty much any boys would play with, you know, toy guns and stuff. And, and the bad guys were the Germans. And this is like, uh, what, like 40 years after the war we are talking about. Bad guys were the Germans. So that's that's what, that's what it's going to be for me. Yeah, the bad guys are going to be the Russians now. Absolutely. Yeah, it's... Uh... It's it's sad in a way, but but yeah, but that, that, that's how it's going to be. Yeah, it, I... I think, I, I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast. I'm actually... I think you know this. I my mom was born in Ukraine. She was born in uh, Ternopil. Uh, her parents met uh, in Ukraine. They lived there for many years, and then when my mom was like about three, they moved to Belarus. So my mom doesn't identify super strongly in general. My mom, ever since she moved to America, is like you know, rah rah, America is best country ever. You know, like that kind of thing. Um, was not a fan of the USSR, let's say, or their policies, I should say. Um, but uh, her cousins. Who also now live in America? They they lived in Ternopil their whole lives, and I was I was in Portugal last year when the war broke out with um, basically her cousins and all their family. Uh, so we we were like traveling, and I remember we just went to like some Benfica game. I think it was Benfica Ajax, like some Champions League game, and uh, there was a I think Mikhailuk is his name, Roman Mikhailuk. He uh or mikhail chuk i I, for, I forget his uh his name but he was playing for uh benfica he scored a screamer of a goal and then like he revealed ukrainian flag and this was the night before the the war and we were like sitting like all the way up front in the stadium uh stadium of light i think it's called and uh on on the way out of the stadium uh i was talking with my mom's cousin uh his wife like you know basically my aunt and uncle and their their kids and we're, they're like, do you really think a war is going to happen? And like Russia had lined up everybody on the on the border, and I was like, oh no, whatever. And for whatever reason, I couldn't sleep that night. And I go to check my phone at like five a.m. and it started, and that was it. And I like I woke up my like my cousin, uh, and I was like, dude, like you, it's happening. 
I woke up my brother too. I woke up. I said, it's like, it's happening. And I, I, it was like unimaginable for me. And it could, it changed the whole like tone of the trip because, you know, they're worried about, they still have family there. Like I still have like a, I have an uncle who's in, he's in the West of Ukraine. So he's like, he hasn't really felt the, the, you know, the physical damage in the way that let's say Eastern Ukraine has. Um, But yeah, why I tell this whole story is like, you know, even like with regard to Russia and Russians, like it's a completely different conversation with them who you know they're from the ussr time so they remember them kind of being more or less together you know they left early on after the ussr collapsed all of them so they in their head it's like you know ukraine and russia not not the same obviously but like you know it's like cousins you know it's like yeah same blood and that's never going to be the same again even when i talk to them about russia now it's like it's not even the same from what it was two years ago uh right and uh like for um, like for me personally i want to say i'm somewhat stuck in between perhaps right because i yeah like for majority of my life i wouldn't care like if someone would call me russian Okay, I mean, Western people, they don't, they can't tell the difference between Russia, Ukraine, whatever. Yeah, so I would like mildly correct them, right? And and, and then I had this incident uh, in St. Louis, the, the trip I've mentioned a couple of months ago, because uh, I just bumped into Mr. Rex Enfield uh, having a breakfast outside. I mean, there's next to the club, there is a place called Kingside Diner, chess-themed. I mean, whoever visited St. Louis probably aware of this place. And he was sitting with his, uh, well, some friends, I don't know them. And he says, oh, okay. And by the way, this is Miro, our grandmaster in residence. He's from Russia. And, <laughs> and, I, uh, and I really kind of, you know, had to correct him, even though he's a, he's a lovely man. He doesn't, he didn't mean anything bad. Yeah. But, but now you kind of have to, have to, uh, have to come up with those things and it's uh, yeah part of me feels like it's sad and but 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 then once again i was born in in the soviet union right and those uh, those guys who 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 were born i don't know 10 years ago 15 years ago obviously russia been seen as an enemy now for for every kind of ukrainian who will survive uh so it's sad man so like can it's terrible even yeah i i also, growing up, I used to always tell people that oh, my mom is Russian. I would just say that because you know, yeah, back yeah. when she was there, it was you know, it was the Soviet. Yeah, it was it was it was much easier to explain. Like like even you you come from Belarus, you come from Ukraine. And yeah, okay. For 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 an average American, we we, we would all be Russians. Yeah, and they, they also my whole family speaks Russian. I think only one of my uncles speaks Ukrainian. Like they they learned Russian. They didn't learn Ukrainian. So, but now it's like I never say that. I. I don't say that. I say, you know, my mom is either say she's from Ukraine or I say, you know, I do the whole story for some people. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's fucked up. <laughs> Excuse my it language. Is. It it's, is. It's very fucked it up. It is. Yeah. Um, I guess the language again, foreign. I mean, that uh, here comes the kind of the, the the part that you didn't ask for because, like, you said you've done your homework and. I've done not really the homework, but kind of mental preparation. And I was 
thinking of what possible questions could you ask and one of them was I, I don't know if you were planning to ask this but like what language do you as a, as a Ukrainian I, I do identify as a Ukrainian right what language do I speak or rather uh what language do I speak to myself I mean probably will be the proper question right I mean what um, they phrase it as uh, what language do you think in even though I don't believe you think in, in language. It, I mean, it's like, anyway, that was clumsy. But but yeah, but for me, it will be Russian, even though I speak Ukrainian. Like, I wouldn't call it like perfect Ukrainian. I mean, but, but once again, you, you do have dialects. I'm, I'm from the Eastern Ukraine. So understandably, I would have some like mixed language and so on. But but yeah, for, for me, the answer would be Russian. And, and now, like, uh, it's a very common argument in Ukrainian community so let, let's kind of let's not speak Russian at all and that's something that I don't know how to kind of even don't have the solution for myself like, because it's easier for me like right I can express myself better in, in Russian so I'm not switching even though perhaps it makes sense for some people end of a rant once again no, i was not planning on asking that but that's uh that is that's very interesting and that's that's like the same thing with 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 my like my family like they've always spoken russian so as far as i was always concerned as a kid it's like oh they're you know that used to be soviet russia whatever and now it's and now it's uh you know ukraine or whatever but yeah yeah i did but but look i mean let's imagine this never happened but the war never happened because this argument for like Ukrainian speaking Ukrainian speaking Ukrainian, it was held for quite some years. And I would be the person to say, guys, fuck off. That's that's the language I'm speaking. Why on earth I'm I'm Ukrainian, I'm Russian speaking Ukrainian, okay? Right? So that that'd be my answer. But this this that happened. February last year that like practically changed everything and I, I don't have a proper answer since then I don't think you so need it, to either you know it's I think yeah like kind of on, on a pragmatic level you want to say okay language is it, it's a tool for communicating I mean whatever we we speak we speak both speak Swahili let's speak Swahili and yeah that's it but but now even even yeah that, that, that's what's wrong with world David that this political bullshit it gets into under our skin like even when we don't want to yeah like in chess like we were seriously discussing for like good 10 15 minutes like what what flag the chess player <laughs> has to play under uh, we don't care we should be caring about like his brilliant ideas in english opening or whatever right but but that that's 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 life that is life uh i mean i would be the last person to ask about brilliant ideas in the english opening by the way <laughs> yeah um i guess let's uh let's try to you know end the episode on a bit of a happier note um i am what what are you doing uh in terms of your own chest these days if at all uh if at all really. <laughs> like uh, uh i've uh, sort of came out of retirement this september congratulations um, you went to play the romanian league Romanian team championship and, and that was that was once again that was, that's a sweet story because I used to play a lot in Romania and well 
in a way, my career started in Romania, now that I'm thinking, because that's the place I've scored my first international master norm back in 1996. Can you imagine? I mean, was it even a year? Like half of our listeners were, were not even born back then. <laughs> I wasn't uh, born back then. <laughs> uh, anyway, anyway, and um, yeah, and, and the meme thing was that I used to play, I mean, I used to play a lot of like open tournaments and stuff and also quite a few seasons for the team. And I haven't lost a single game. And it's it's not like I'm proud of yeah it was some lucky coincidences I had like terribly lost positions when I would escape with a with a stalemate and this and that and at some point it was it was starting to get funny like doesn't matter what crazy stuff I'm doing I can't lose a game in the Romanian league so I came back from retirement I've eventually lost the game so so now now like now the universe kind of uh, yeah got justice. But anyway, it was a very funny conversation because the guys who approached me to join the team were the guys uh, from, say, 2004, uh, 2014. Yeah, so like eight years back, last time I played for them. And the argument was they were trying to convince me to accept the money and play for them. And I was trying to convince them not to hire me. <laughs> So it was really worse. Like the guy says, oh, we have this much. We we can't offer any more. We can't offer, we, we won't offer any less. And I'm saying, yeah, it's good at all. But for this money, you can get a better player. <laughs> and, uh, no, and I was perfectly honest. It's not like I didn't want to go because I have a lot of friends there and I've met a lot of friends. But but objectively, I haven't played chess, haven't touched chess for like four for me, myself, right? I, I've done some coaching and a lot of streams and so on. But but that, that's a different animal, right? I mean, when you're training for yourself, you're preparing openings and you stay in the shape or you're teaching somebody how the night's moving. Uh, yeah. And and the conversation was like this. Yeah, that, like you, you should look for a younger, I don't know, like, you know, someone who's hungry for the game and so on. And otherwise you'll you you'll get me and I'll make some prearranged draws with friends and so on. <laughs> and the guy says, Yeah, yeah, that's okay. Just come join us. That sounds and fun there though. Were, there were not many prearranged draws, to be honest, but yeah, but overall I've made uh, well, I mean, all the same draws that I would. Like uh, Dita Livio Nisipiano, you've heard of him, mm -hmm. right? I mean, obviously uh, quite a strong player. I think he's still in German list. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think he's plays for Germany. Yeah, he plays for Germany, but he's obviously he's from Romania and and so on. So he's he's kind of an old friend of mine since like late '90s or something. Wow, it was it was very nice to see him again. And once again, we've we've played another fighting draw. <laughs> it, it, it's very funny because uh, with him specifically. I've lost count how many games we played, but let's say up to 10, perhaps. And it was all draws, except for the first game that I won by accident, him being like 2600 Grandmaster and I'm being the International Master. Just like, you know, not knowing who the guy is, I just went, went, went all in and it worked. And since then, we are kind of good friends and we... I don't think we ever played. I mean, we've played a few kind of quiet games, like you expect me, I respect you. You know, some exchange love, something. But we've never, never agreed to a draw before the game. Let's say, and still, like all draws, 
so I'm plus one against the piano and at the moment of you know moment of uh showing off add that add that to the to the list of accolades yeah um actually this is a funny question but what what is your what's your favorite gm draw everybody knows about the berlin draw but you know there's some pretty there's some pretty goofy ones out there some you know queen sack ones and stuff like that i mean what's you know yeah no i don't have uh honestly i don't have a go-to pre-arranged draw to be honest yeah I'm thinking, what what would be the most number of the same draws I've made? Huh. That's interesting. It could be the symmetrical Grunfeld one. Yeah, the, you, I, you know, like like yeah, D four. Well, basically, you get like uh, the little the, the the little castle for the king, like G three, Bishop G two, Knight on F three, right? And then D four, D five, C four, C six, C takes, C takes, and and. And then you can repeat up to move like 30, something like that. So, so I think I had quite a few of those. But yeah, but I was very inventive with my prearranged draws usually. So. <laughs> so you can hardly find the similar ones. And from other people's games, I think the the cynicism and the irony in a way that these guys were coming with this queen e4, queen d4 draws <laughs> it it deserves some praise at some point. I mean, it wasn't. Uh, I mean, at first it was like, let's say, first couple of dozen of games with Queen E4, Queen D4 draw in Berlin were understandable. And we would like, as chess fans, we would discuss between ourselves. Okay, yeah, well, it's non-event, but uh, perhaps the guy wanted a rest, or I don't know, they were happy with the tournament situation and so on. The next couple of dozen were annoying, I want to say. So this again, and and then everything past that point, I actually find it kind of amusing that, yeah, you know, the kind of postmodernism in a way. Yeah, and we will still make this stupid draw, guys, so that you all know that this game never happened. So in a way that now it seems like ironic and fun if if some people still make this draw even though there, there there's a lot of other funny draws out there. I've never been against the Berlin draw either. I don't know what the whole the fuss is like. If a guy if if two guys don't want to play the game, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's it's like it, it probably has. I mean, if uh, we as spectators are not happy. Uh, it's understandable, but, but that's to me it's a separate at the same issue. Time, because yeah, this... like this is how I feel. You, let's say you saw a lot of those in one of those, like let's say you saw them in some Magnus events and stuff like that. You know, you're Wesley So and Hikaru Nakamura. You're like both second and third place. You have half a tournament to go. You know each other well. Why would you take the risk? You respect each other, and they're the you know it's not like you're getting three points for a win and one point for a draw, where it's like okay, go for it. You know. There's no incentive. Like, we all know that when there are those incentives that, you know, chess players will go all out. Go look at the candidates and stuff like that. You don't see too many of those. You'll see them every now and then. Again, it's mostly to just secure tournament statics. Hey, that's part of the strategy too. <laughs> like, not effing up your tournament is part of the strategy too. Guess what? Like, that's, you know, that's it's a tournament. It's not like you're playing one game. You're playing 14 games. If you want to get a quick breather for one game or two games oh big deal i don't care 
And then there are the postmodern versions where, like, I know, I think it was, like, either Wesley or Hikaru who played one of those tournaments. I think over half of those games was, like, a Berlin draw or something. Maybe I'm fabricating something, but they played, like, one of them in one of those events played, like, an insane amount of Berlin draws. Yeah. And so that's funny. Again, I mean, if you, if you don't like uh, the show, just don't watch the show, right? I mean, players competing within the rules. And I absolutely support you in this uh, thought of, yeah, let's judge the tournament, not one game. I mean, it can be a brilliant game, but if it's a dull game, look at the tournament, right? Because, yeah, and even, like, I believe uh, it's very common to try to make some football slash soccer analogies between, like, chess and soccer, maybe because soccer is so popular and, and we all try to... Uh, and yeah, so let's think of a tournament as the as the football match, not a not a game as the football match, right? And who cares? In like first ten minutes, I'm mostly like on my half, and and very often uh, pass back to a goalkeeper. If like if I'm winning at the end, right? Who cares? Yeah, you park the bus. That's a full yeah. strategy. I mean, people get mad at that, but I mean, you're. Yeah, like especially like with Wesley Saul, who, who had a fair share of such draws, right? But if you check his results in Magnuson, he he's, he's always like in the top three somehow, and barely losing games. Yeah, so like, can you can you can you blame him at that point? And that's what I've said. Yeah, I mean. absolutely. I mean, I mean, even like on a, in the very pragmatic note, I mean, the guy's printing money. I mean, let's let let's leave aside all the you know the the art and, and, and other stuff, legacy. <laughs> Uh, why not? Yeah. I mean, if let's say if uh, a draw like that would would I don't know bring me like a couple of grand every every draw like that I'm making, I'd be making tons of those. Yeah, yeah. It's like if I was a, if I was a super grandmaster, I'd probably have my fair share of those too. Um, yeah, no, I don't have to worry about Berlin draws though. At my uh, my poor, de- depressing level of chess. Uh, <laughs> I pray you never have to witness one of my chess games. <laughs> uh, and that goes for all of you listening back home. Uh, I'm actually, I'm playing some miserable chess lately too, I have to say. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know, maybe that'll be my final question. How do you get, how, you know, you have, you're training someone who's going through a rough patch. What do you tell them to, uh, you know, get out of their run? They're playing way below their level. Uh, way below. Uh, wow. Minimize the damage for the tournament that you are in. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of like crazy comebacks, to, to be honest. I mean, just that it works sometimes, but uh, like mathematically, I think if you try to like break things and and yeah, I've lost five, but now I'm gonna win ten and and come back. And so I, I don't think it's uh, it's kind of profitable in the long run. It's it doesn't seem like plus uh, plus EV play, <laughs> so I would say try to limit the damage, finish the tournament, and then reassess, reevaluate, and uh, perhaps uh, kind of uh, st- withstand the urge to take a revenge immediately, to kind of strike back immediately, maybe like, like take a pause, and then come back when you you get the appetite again. 
So that's, yeah, once again, it's easier said than done because myself, I remember like you've lost the game and you desperately need to win exactly the next one with black against much stronger opponent. Yeah, <laughs> that's how it works. But Tell us all this time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, but uh, that's that's psychology, and and even the, the best of us, they're not sometimes not very good at psychology. We've seen Magnus like tilting, like, like going on monkey tilt sometimes, right? Just uh, I've never heard that I, phrase, I, I, monkey tilt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. I mean, it's like imagine a monkey who's tilted, yeah. basically breaking things. Uh, no, no, but really, like, so, so I've lost the game, and then that means that tomorrow with black, I'll play some crazy stuff certainly get in the worst position just because I want to. <laughs> and that's very common. And I remember this feeling. Um, and it maybe it has also has to do that I was playing a lot of open tournaments and, and uh, there you, you kind of have to win games, right? Doesn't matter the color, doesn't matter the opponent. And very often the calculation process would be during the game, okay, this leads to a draw and this leads to a draw. So I will play this without calculating because the other two lead to a draw, <laughs> right? And and then you'd, you'd lose a lot of like really silly games simply because of this mindset. And yeah, so there, there, there is like, there is no good recipe against tilting apart from just don't tilt, right? <laughs> But yeah, but, but but seriously, minimizing the damage and in the long run will save you a lot of lot of points and also a lot of uh, a lot of brain cells, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, a lot of a lot of nerves, right? Yeah, I've I've lost my fair share of uh, brain cells this week, um, self inflicted, but uh, it is what it is. That's that's one thing I I have learned recently. You know, talking to you know grandmasters such as yourself, also my coach, other people I know in the chess world is like the love and like addiction for chess that like particularly grandmasters have is like insane to me like it's it's completely unfathomable to me it's like why would i will never be a grandmaster like even if i show some like bullshit game i played you know you i'll have someone tell me like oh like like in some garbage opening let's say i'll have like someone tell me like you know not saying any names but i'll have someone say oh you should have played like like, oh, why are you playing e4, knight a6? Like, you know, maybe if you play c6 first, you could get some version of the Karakhan that way. And it's like, you know, I'm I'm memeing. Like, this is just this is just jokes. But it's like this, the love and the addiction for the game is so serious that they're like, oh, well, if you're going to play this thing, you should actually do this setup and stuff like that. And like, they yeah. dive deep. So, and, and to me, that is just like, uh, it's a testament to uh, the human mind, really. And you know, I I, th I think chess is really like it, it shows humanity at its worst and best. Uh, and uh, I think it's really cool, like just to see. Also, you know, we did commentary together, and I, I, for me, that was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, learning from you, and uh, you know, getting your thoughts on some of the different positions. And I, you know, I I, I really uh, I don't know. I I the, the longer I play chess, the more I continue to like it i guess this is my first like podcast episode of like two months so you know i need to get some sappy some sappy story in there for engagement um, <laughs> uh yeah yeah but but that that's yeah that's uh that's the story and uh as i said i i felt retired at some point and even like any chess activity that i would come up with or, or need to do that'd be 
you know, kind of forcing myself. And, and then, yeah, and after some break, I'm, uh, it feels well, it feels good to play back. Uh, I mean, to, to, to go back to play, to to do coaching, to do commentary. So, so it, it's, yeah, it's, it's a very covert game. It, it kind of consumes you and it never actually lets you back because I've, I've seen people who were like uh, youth chess players, champions, uh, champions, blah, blah, then switching to absolutely different human activities like business or serious work or, I don't know, science. And when they're back at the board, they're still, they're absolutely crazy about the game, right? I mean, and the, the guy who, who let's say, was good at, at in his childhood and he's back uh, at the board at the age of 50, and he's still getting upset and mad when he's making a wrong decision and so on. He wants to play the game perfectly. And that, yeah, that that's, uh, uh, that tells you kind of uh, best and worst, right, <laughs> about chess. I mean, it, it's a beautiful game, but it's also a very demanding game. Um, yeah, it's, that, that's all. Um... On that note, uh, Miro, thanks for coming on the podcast. It's uh, really nice to have this conversation with you and uh, to see you again. Um, uh, maybe we'll do commentary again someday. That'll be fun. Yeah. Uh, thanks very much uh, for having me. And yep. hopefully, hopefully this episode does well. Yeah, as long as you will provide me with the link, I'm promised to, uh, I promise to tweet it to all my three followers or whatever it is. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. Oh, we didn't even, I, I forgot, we didn't even cover, uh, you know, a little bit of a Hearthstone player, but that's for the next next episode. Yeah, that's the for next the next time. episode. Yeah. yeah. Thanks um, so much. Yeah, the meta's going to change. Uh, of course. And uh, yeah, thanks everybody for listening to the 64 Chess Podcast. Uh, if you like this episode, feel free to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at 64 Podcast. Uh, you can also follow Miro on Twitter. I think it's at GM Vulgaris, although you're not super active on Twitter from what I can tell, which is okay. That's probably for the best. Uh, and as always, I want to thank Chessable for sponsoring the podcast. Uh, go to chessable.com slash 64 podcast. You want to learn about some of my favorite courses on Chessable. Uh, yeah, once again, thanks everybody for listening and I'll see you guys next week.